Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, we will be discussing the Lord's Caliber and what it is. Okay, so we're starting off there. <clears throat> yeah, we're going to be talking about some guns. Talking about guns and uh, which caliber is uh, superior. Um, what that entirely means, we'll find out, because I have my mind set up, but I think it's because I have a little bit of bias. Well, I think you're also a little bit retarded. What should, we'll decide. We'll discuss <laughs> I'm the kidding. podcast here. We, we, we shall decide. I already know, because you're a military man, you're going to say 5.56, five, right? Yeah, I think 5.56 five, is good. <laughs> um. I think it's at that little that little point between around being too heavy, where if you have to carry a lot of it, it's not going to be that big of an issue. But five five six just has some good uh, action when it actually hits something. I like me a little tumbling round. So, what do you what do you think is your what was your favorite caliber? First off, what's your favorite caliber to shoot? <clears throat> um. So it's uh it's kind of dependent really like uh my favorite gun is absolutely my AR15 um however uh shooting 762 by 39 out of an AK like the recoil impulse was so fucking it was so smooth and slow like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've got the opportunity to do um, foreign weapons training at all. No. Or, you know, if you've gotten to shoot an AK-47 before. But my god. Um, that would be more... Just, yeah, that would be more of like a... So a smooth. That would be more like a... I forget the name of the actual name. Like, special or like weapons master course that, the, that you can take uh, where you get trained plethora of different weapons like handguns rifles and knuckles but um uh, yeah i think 762 is also another good round it's just it's just a bigger bigger round you have to be specific about it um because there are are many types many types of 762 um i am referring to by 39 which is the ak round Okay. Now forgive um, forgive me because this is an opportunity to learn to. Uh, what is the by thirty nine in reference to? Is that the actual um, length? So the metric, the metric measurements for bullets, which would be like five five six by forty five, mm-hmm. which is you know your five five six or your seven point six two by thirty nine. So the first number is going to be the bullet diameter. The second number is going to be the case length. Oh, okay. Okay. So that just is like as a very quick measure of how much grain you can have behind the bullet power. 
Essentially, because uh, the longer longer the case, <clears throat> you can fit more powder behind it, you know? Yeah. So, okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, it's it's not necessarily going to be indicative as to the actual power of the round always, right. because there are other factors loads, that go into it lighter too. Loads. Um, because yeah, because a yeah. like a very big uh, proponent of ca- uh, bullet speed <laughs> would also be the length of the barrel as well. Um. Uh, yes, it absolutely would. If so. you shoot seven six two by fifty one out of a short barrel, it's actually no more effective than seven six two by thirty nine. And there's like a whole there. I like looking at the uh, websites and stuff for looking at like the charts and stuff for like you know exit velocities and all that cool stuff. And you'll see that trend. I don't think most of the charts actually take into a, a, account barrel length as far as what i've seen i wonder what kind of standard Um, they use when they take those measurements when you look at a ballistic chart especially on a box of ammunition it'll say fired out of a barrel of such and such length right um sometimes they'll tell you what the actual gun was uh usually a lot of times they don't um ballistics charts are good for knowing the Knowing certain things about round, about certain rounds, but it's not a be all end all as to what any particular round will actually do. <clears throat> okay. Now, if you had so, the opportunity to shoot any weapon, what would it be? So are we talking any weapon that currently exists or Literally, can I like any weapon can I that like have exists. something rigged can I like have modifications done to a weapon Yeah if you want to go like super specific on the specific like you know modifications you do to a weapon that you already have shot then yeah you, the details would be good as well <clears throat> Ooh, that's a that's a tough question because my heart says just an AR-15 with a giggle switch and a and a Magpul D60 drum mag, but you know my brain is telling me go a whole lot more <laughs> epic with it and get like a custom Serbu BFG-50 modified to have a giggle switch in a drum magazine <laughs> i i have no idea what what the what the hell a giggle switch is um is that a super sensitive piece what is that <laughs> uh no a giggle switch is slang in the gun community for a full auto switch oh okay okay yeah, for those of us who aren't it, in the military, it, for, where a giggle fully automatic is non-standard. A giggle switch where it makes you giggle. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I want to take that uh, because my M4 has automatic, and every uh, weapon in there has automatic. Uh, I I encourage on. you to call to call your fire selector, your automatic position on your fire selector, your giggle switch to your commanding officer. I think he would enjoy that. Uh, I think I think he would enjoy that a lot. Or you know, your armorer, your small arms. I love. Repair. I really love. Um, I love hearing mortars go off. They 
they have like just this creepy like when they're far away they have this really ominous um, like fucking spooky boom in the distance and you're just like oh that's that's big that's big have you have you ever heard a mlrs go off what the fuck is an mlrs multiple launch rocket system those like rocket trucks with that that have like uh oh rectangle box i i know what you're talking about i i have not they it is wild it is wild heard it from across a mountain i was on the other side of a mountain and we heard these just these roars right it just sounded like a roar it sounded like if you were to watch a, a fucking fantasy movie and like how they would make the dragon roar it was wild it was so spooky and we didn't we had found out later that there was a MLRS range going on. So they were like shooting off live rounds and blowing who knows what up. It was so cool. Oh, actually, you know what? I would really want to shoot a uh, an MGL-40, the, um, the revolving grenade launcher that the Marines use. MGL-40. It- Ooh, yes. Yep. The South yeah. African grenade launcher that was adopted by the U.S. Marine Corps. I could stand by um, that. That's a that that seems really fun. Yeah, it's a six-shot, forty-millimeter yep. grenade launcher. Yeah, we had a. The only thing I've gotten close to that was the underbarrel M2. That was fun to shoot. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to shoot. Ex- exactly would, the sound want... that they have in the movies and the video games. <laughs> yep. It's so awesome. I I would want to shoot an M203, but I can I can buy one online. <laughs> oh. Like to <clears throat> be in a tank when they shoot off their main cannon? Oh no. No. Oh, yes. I yes. Uh, I worked with a guy who was a tanker in an M1 Abrams. And uh, he was telling me, when they fire, those things rock straight back and point the fuck up. (laughs) Like, I do not ever want to be inside or even remotely close to a firing tank, because I've seen how much dust fucking kicks up around those. That would fucking rattle your chest so hard. Let's talk talk more or less about... Uh, like bullet technology um talking like the metallurgy behind it the different um okay you're going types of you're going into the boring part you're going into the The fucking boring boring part part. how is depleted we came here to discuss the lord's caliber how is depleted uranium how are depleted uranium rounds boring no see you're talking about like metallurgy and shit that's well, like, I only mean that as in like the different types of rounds that we have, like what they're made out of. I think that's a little bit different than metallurgy. Because um, <clears throat> is it are the are they truly you know how would you say like for your normal standard lead? Is it one hundred percent lead or is it mixed with something? Is it an alloy usually? I believe they do just use straight lead, straight and lead. I believe that comes from the tradition of back with 
black powder and muskets, yeah. they would use a straight lead ball because they didn't have a lot of use for lead. I mean, shan't we forget um, the the goddamn puckle gun? <laughs> <laughs> the square bullets that were made for shooting Muslims and Turks. Square bullets, folks, and a square bore. And uh, however, if you think about the, it, that was only a that concept only ever made it into the design. That was yeah, never actually it was never used. used. I mean, um, I I would assume so. Uh, did it have you, rifling? You no. Know, uh, it was not rifled because, but the barrel twisted. Yeah. So it kind of just guided that square round. It was like a, a pseudo rifling. Right. But it was like if one of I those, remember correctly. It was it like was, one of those games. It had a actual twisted barrel, but Let me go ahead and it see. was the type of thing that was just impractical and never really got used. Right. The let me just double check, see if we have any actual rifle quote-unquote rifling but i always thought that was a uh, thought that was funny and that was kind of the change that guns had made really that was when guns were because the fire rate was uh significantly better than the the other guns that were being used right uh the puckle gun was a very very early machine gun yeah it I was like it was that. like semi gatling gun kind of deal it had it had a revolt. I know it, if I remember correctly, it was a hand crank gun, right? And it had a revolving cylinder, but it only had a single barrel, which would not be a Gatling gun because on a Gatling gun, it has six barrels that will rotate. Yeah, and it fires when the barrel is in position, yeah. not something rotating to the barrel. Yeah, I think I think it's just uh, I thought I just thought it was cool. I I would always like to fire a fucking cannon. That'd be so cool. But with a, a a solid, you know, just just a sphere of metal, and just like I don't know, shoot a shoot at it with a shoot shoot a wall with it or something. I don't know. Uh, you can actually get small cannons for not pretty too cheap. It's pretty cheap, huh? I I think they're only a couple hundred dollars for small. Your, for like small cannons. What are your thoughts on the uh railgun? Um I think rail technology is never going to truly be adapted into a small arm. Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's there's no way. It's not feasible right now cuz it takes so much energy. Just the el- electricity requirements has to have it like as a permanent emplacement kind of thing there's no way in hell you're gonna be able to get a railgun rifle that would have i think that would have a similar capability to like our current railgun technology because it's just ridiculous <clears throat> i just love the concept of just fucking throwing a bit of metal at many times the speed of sound <laughs> at whatever you're trying to hit it's just it's just funny to me. Um, it's just like we're gonna throw this very, very fast at whatever the hell yeah. we want to destroy. So I think currently we are at the for the technology we have at the time, we're kind of at the pinnacle of small arms development. Okay. Like um What do you how do you figure no that out? No gun 
no gun is ever going to be substantially better than the the M16 AR15 platform that it's going to actually phase out that weapon. Um you can try to get as modular as you want, but due to the widespread and commercial the level of commercialization of the AR platform, Pickles. you're never going to yeah. end up even if you make a gun that is a little bit better, it's not going to see any wide success just due to the nature of, you know, the AR-15 and the M-16 being so predominant. Um, Go down the rabbit so, hole. So in terms of the best caliber, it really is dependent on what you're trying to accomplish. Right, and that's kind of like the like the ultimate point that it's really there is no real best caliber it depends on what you're trying to kill or destroy um if i could only have one caliber to serve me for the rest of my days it would be um, 135 millimeter fucking sail around uh no absolutely not <laughs> fuck tank projectiles um <clears throat> If I realistically could only have one, I think I would. It's a tough choice between five five six and seven six two by thirty nine. Okay. Either way, I know I would want it in an AR platform. Um, you are a avid gun user. You are a you are very much for guns. How do you think now on your side of the fence? What do you think, how do you think gun control is going? Like, are there things that you would change? Would you, what would you change with gun control? Are you talking on a California level, on a federal level? Uh, you, could, like, you could start with California and then go federal if you like. Well, I mean, okay, so how, how far am I allowed to go here? I would say... Like, am I allowed to go total gun reform? Or, like, you can, if I could push for one thing? If that... Um, if that, Yeah, go give us your one thing that you would want to change. Um, and then you can go full... How would you would go full gun reform? Um, so if I could change one thing, it would basically be any sort of... Any sort of assault weapons ban would just be... Un- you know, it'd be out. Okay. No assault weapons bans. Because right. currently in California, I live under an assault weapons ban. However, I still have an AR-15. I've previously owned an AK-47 that was a piece of shit. Um, it doesn't stop anyone from owning those types of weapons. It doesn't change the functionality of those weapons. It just makes them aesthetically retarded. Aesthetically, aesthetically bad. Oh, sorry, I forgot we're on stream. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. I, right, I, I, I forgot to. I forgot stream. to. Yeah, Twitch is um, Twitch is Twitch is weird. Yeah, it, but it wasn't to anyone. It was it a direct just, to anyone. It was just directed to a gun. So, yeah, no. Um, California assault weapons regulations doesn't stop you from having any sort of weapon. It doesn't do. It's not any sort of meaningful change. It's a feel-good legislation that amounts to nothing. And all it does is slightly 
upsets the ergonomics of my rifles. Do you do you think that the screening process for guns is adequate, or do you think it is lacking? Um. So realistically, when you look at the things that can prevent you from buying a gun, um, like every, all of that is covered in the current background checks. Yeah. Um. And what system is used of, for the background checks? Like, what is the name of the system? Um, it's done through the Department of Justice and. Oh fuck! Gun background. I. So uh, I know that it's the drought system, the dealer the, record, the, dealer record of sale, the Nix index, maintained by the FBI and well beyond the jurisdiction of Washington State. Every firearm background check in the country is required to go through Nix. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. I know it looks for if you have any sort of restraining order against you, right. any violent misdemeanor, any form of drug charge. Um, Do you... If you've been to a any sort of mental institution, what would you what would, what would your thoughts be on a psychological evaluation that you would have to do every year for owning a weapon? Um, Do you think that would sort of you think that would be more beneficial and be a a good addition to the background checks or do you think it would just be a hindrance i mean sure to me it would it would definitely seem to slow the process but it would be like a cert- certification that would be renewed a yearly sort of thing if you are going to go purchase a new gun um because i think the i think the implementation of that would draw too much uh resources as in like money to have to do that every single year Everyone who owns a weapon. What are your thoughts on that? Um, the the a psychological evaluation. So it's good in practice. However, oftentimes people who are going to perpetrate bad things, um, they know they're not normal, and so they know to lie to a psychological evaluator. Right. Um. And I'm sure the so, that information is on how to do that is pretty easy to come by, especially on the internet. Like how to make sure you're not crazy when talking to a therapist. Yeah. Um, but this is also not. I mean, I'm not saying that this would completely fix like you know the quote unquote gun problem where people don't that have guns or are not supposed to have guns have guns. Because, you know, it's just like um, the black market. You can get anything there. Like, you can... Yeah. It's not saying that this will prevent criminals from getting guns. But it would... It's just another measure for letting the guns go out there in the system, I guess you can say. Um, where, As far as yeah. where criminals get guns, as far as, like... I mean, I, is it appropriate to call it the black market? I don't know. But as far as where they get the guns, I don't know. Right. Are they illegally manufactured? Are they stolen guns? Like, how do I would be interested to see the statistics on that? um, So, my ultimate take on it is I think it's a good idea. However, once you've purchased your first gun, 
I don't think it should be necessary to continue to do psychological evaluations. Would you be more comfortable where you would I be more comfortable with what? Would you be more comfortable with it? Or I should say comfortable. Would you be more approving of it being a semi-annual? So it'd be more or less like along like a two or four year uh, span of time. To sort of so, break up the monotony of going having to go every year, or or do you think there should be a certificate of approval from a you know a psychiatric evaluation saying that yes, this person is of sound mind to purchase a weapon, just a one time deal? So I'm of the opinion that it should be a one time deal because once you've already purchased your first firearm, it becomes irrelevant after that. Right. Anything you want to do, you can do with your first firearm. 100% agree. Uh, It really comes down to it being irrelevant. And that draws the question of, if we do have some sort of psychological evaluation factor, and people go and they are deemed not not, mentally well to own a firearm, what do you do then? Like, are you going to go to that person's house and take them? Like, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? So it, it... that draws a very good point of what what's the steps after that <laughs> do you take when someone comes back saying that that is, you know, not mentally fit to own a firearm. And it also, so you also, from, from what I'm gathering, you're kind of asking about like, what if someone is 51 50, they're deemed a threat to themselves or society. Right. Right. Sure. Um, so in that situation, I believe if they are a firearms owner, I believe their weapons are taken away because I know if you receive any sort of restraining order, your weapons are taken away. Yes. Yeah. Or you are given the opportunity to transfer them to someone else because while I worked at, uh, at a gun store, I, we did have that happen where um, someone did have a restraining order and they went to transfer their guns to someone else. Okay. So it's um, it's just it's already kind of implemented in that situation when it comes to a law kind of thing. So uh, someone has legal action taken my, against them. To my understanding, it is okay. But yeah, it's kind of also I was. It should be also said with that whole whole statement of if that was to be implemented, uh, what kind of standard? Uh, would there be as far as mental stability when it comes to owning a firearm? I don't, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't really know. At the same time, psychology is not a hard science. Right. What would be, my things would be like, what are the signs? Like, should we go like, if they are suicidal, uh, if they show signs of homicide, if they're just a, a very angry person and talk poorly about work or, you know, those kind of things. But then again, very subjective kind of thing. So Uh, I would assume it's, um, so for example, when you go to become a concealed carry license holder Mm -hmm. or when you join a police force, you have to undergo a psychological evaluation. Yeah. So I would assume that it would be held to that standard and they don't just straight up ask you, you know, do you feel like you need to kill somebody? (laughs) Um, It's very cut and dry, isn't it? Do you feel like you need to kill somebody? They they ask a lot of more subtle questions. They ask exactly. Yeah. Like, 
Because they have to. Because you if you ask the direct question, it would be too easy for them to say no. They ask you things like, do you love your parents? <laughs> have you ever had sex with an animal? Things like Wait. that. Okay. Um, That's if interesting. If I'm not mistaken, having sex with an animal is actually one of the questions. That's interesting. Um, yeah, they basically yeah, determine whether you are mentally sound. Mentally okay. Yeah, that's a whole thing about because uh, you know we have a new we have a new president, so I'm just sort of thinking about uh, gun rights are going down. They're gonna go down the fucking toilet. Yeah, I think they're gonna be drastically changed. Uh, it's been a while since I actually looked on the website for what what Biden's plans are as far as gun control or gun change, but it's gonna be very a lot of taxes involved. Um, if you want to keep yeah. them. Um, just interesting. And the whole concept of the gun buyback program is just ridiculous. It's just dumb. It's, it's, it, yes, buy back the gun that you never owned in the first place. So I think that's just an interesting concept that not many people are for, especially in the gun, like many people who have guns are not for that because to them it doesn't make sense. All for what? $200 even though you spent probably like they'll give you $200 for what? Like a AR15? Yeah. <laughs> like come on now. <laughs> like really? It's not even not even worth it. Not even worth I mean, it. gun buyback would have been nice for my broken AK47 that I wanted to get rid of. I ended up selling it to a friend of mine for like $100 because it was just a completely non-functional, broken piece of shit gun. Which is weird, because I have heard the exact opposite about AK-47s. Like, you dump them in the mud, and apparently they still work. Uh, you don't dump an AK-47 in the mud. You can put an AK-47 in sand. That's about it. If you get any sort of, like, mud or rock in an AK-47, it... That's a fucking myth. Um... If you get anything, like, substantial into the action of an AK-47 that it can't crush mm-hmm. or will slow the action, yeah, it will what kill you, the gun. What do you think is the most reliable gun on the market today? Um, so, it depends very, on... Very little jams, very little uh, malfunctions, that, that sort of thing. Um, again, it kind of depends on the conditions in which you're using it. Are you maintaining the weapon? Is it, you know, is it I, Mad Max level where what it's going? <laughs> what is, I mean, I mean, if you could, regardless of the, I mean, if I you guess, want, if I, you want the most reliable gun possible, you get a single barrel shotgun, I, a I weapon that's, yeah. you know, literally impossible to fail. I think, uh, Another criteria is like you can put it in a sh- on a shelf or in a, in a safe and not have to worry about it and be ninety nine percent sure that when you take it and use it, it will be fine. I mean, if you have proper training, any sort of manually operated firearm is really good for that. Um, like, uh, if you practice with it and you train out any sort of user error. Any sort of pump action or lever action firearm will be really good, assuming you don't incur spring compression damage. Right. Um, 
a revolver operates completely mechanically. Yeah. Um, the inside of revolvers are more complicated than you would actually think. Um, they can fail, they can break, and mm-hmm. when they break, they they're when just, a revolver is broken, they're just fancy. A lot of the time, they're just done. They're just expensive paperweights um, at that point. Yes, um, the cylinders on revolvers can be damaged very easily, especially if you're a jackass with them and do the thing where you flip the cylinder mm. or where you shake the gun and slam the cylinder into it. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's not good. That's, uh, that sounds very guilty of you, Brandon. Have you been fucking with your revolver like that? No, 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 no. I'm very respectful of my revolver. Um... I I will I will just get in the habit of like just using it, just opening it, closing it, just to sort of be comfortable with it. Because I think the worst thing that anyone can do is feel uncomfortable handling a gun. Um, I think you, if you are a gun owner, it should be your responsibility to be after you purchase a gun to be one hundred percent okay with handling it. Right, and I'm not sure. I'm not saying to be so completely I don't, negligent I don't think you have to be, of of like I your gun safety, but like just be comfortable and not be so so. Don't be scared of it, right? Don't be scared of it. Of course, don't take it like a joke, but don't be scared. So knowing proper usage and operation of your firearm is fucking paramount. The number one thing. It's paramount. Um. You know, everybody thinks it's so simple to use a gun, it's so easy to use a gun, but when I worked at the gun shop and I had to do safe handling demonstrations with people, mm-hmm. you don't know how many people I saw put a bullet in a magazine backwards or couldn't right. figure out how to chamber around, didn't know how to use a magazine, didn't know what the fuck a magazine was, <laughs> Um you know, didn't understand their safeties at all. I would like to, we can, you can dive into some more stories about your, your time at your, at the gun shop. Uh, because I mean, it was pretty mundane. Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine, so I, I know, so especially in the recent years, there's been a huge influx in gun ownership, right? Many people are going to buy guns. Uh, absolutely, and it's been fucking me over because I haven't been able to get any of the guns I actually wanted recently. Uh, and ammo. Ammo is a bitch to find now. Uh, uh n- I, I predict that 22 9mm will have a price higher than an o- ounce for ounce. 9mm ammunition will be more valuable than gold. I, I, I hope not, because... Jeez, um, I could not find. It was hard finding. The last time, the last time I was at the gun store, there was a fifty-round box of bullshit. No, yeah, you were cutting out. Cutting out. You were cutting out there for a little bit. What was that? Um, last time I was at the gun store, there was bullshit. No name. Nine millimeter hollow points. It was a box of fifty rounds. It was going for eighty nine dollars. Yeah, uh, I know for a fact that um, when I went to my local yeah, gun that's... store, they had a they had to put a sign out of their shop, uh, and of course they had the whole you know yep. limited people inside. So 
the signs served to get people out of line if they knew that they couldn't get the shit that they wanted. They were out of nine yeah. millimeter. They were out of forty five. They were out of almost everything. Uh, thankfully, they had uh, uh, what was it? Thirty eight. They had thirty eight, which is what I needed. So, um, I bought a. Hold on, uh, give me one second. I gotta reopen Discord. It's wigging out on my computer. All right. But yeah, the <laughs> that was the biggest issue. Me. I was, um, I've been a, hello, I've been a gun owner now for, I think, over half a year now, I think. Yeah, over half a year now. Well, you're in the military, so. Yeah, oh, that's true. I can always call you firearms trained since you were. So actually, like, gun owning outside of work for over half a year now. But working with guns since 2017, coming up on like three years, so it was. It's it's been it's been fun. It's uh, I think it's a good hobby. Uh, if you if you like shooting and you like guns, it's something cool to get used to or get into. Uh, it is a little bit financially steep depending on what you want to get into, but I think it's oh, worth it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, um... I I have thousands of dollars in my uh, in yeah and just your in your gun collection yourself. I mean, I had so um, for a box my my three fifty seven Magnum uh, revolver. Um, it cost me nine hundred something dollars. Yeah, yeah. Metric um, but I got I got a nice one too. I got a. Um, I don't know if you're able to put my camera, my uh, camera on screen, but I do have it open. I could I just grabbed a, a couple of my guns. Okay. I see yours. Yeah, it's very nice. Very nice 357 yes. mag. Um, I also don't believe I showed you my new gun. Uh, what is that? Looks like a Glock. Smells like a Glock. It is not a Glock. What it is, is a Springfield XD, which is okay. another striker action polymer handgun. Interesting. Uh, are those relatively um, expensive? Or are they a little bit more accessible? These are actually a little bit cheaper than a Glock. Um, their performance is going to be basically the same. Um, okay. This one is the subcompact model with a three-inch barrel, I believe. Um, how is how is the I, I did clear it. How is the shooting um for that? How is how enjoyable is it to shoot? Um, I have actually not gotten the opportunity to take this out and shoot it yet. Um, I actually have three guns that I have not shot yet. Hey, it's it's. I mean, times are pretty weird right now, so trying to figure out times for that is is reasonable. Uh, yeah, trying to plan to go out and shoot. Yeah. And, um... I mean, at the gun store, I was trying to find. So you know, I have a thirty-eight special. Right? I have a. Uh, yeah. I have a Smith and Wesson model six four two, little J frame. You know, double action. Uh, do you want to grab your revolver? I could. I'll go do that now. Yeah. I I can show you how to properly handle 
Yeah, there we go. So, uh, do you do you plan on getting an AR-15 at all? Because uh, I think in the future I will. Um, so now might be the time before Biden gets officially inaugurated into office before they start trying to implement more and more gun control. Yeah, I mean... If you can get your hands on one, you really should at this point. It's it's just a sort of, like... I would love one, but it's just not necessarily, like, something that is 100% needed, unfortunately. Um, I would love it, but Jesus Lord. Or... Some sort of semi-automatic rifle. Yeah. Um, I do have I, my bolt action uh, 22, <laughs> but not really yeah. the same as a a. Not the same as an AR-15, AR-15 an AK-47, yeah. an SKS, anything like that. Go ahead and do this. Make yeah. If first for that. If you do want to get any sort of semi-automatic rifle, now is probably, like, it's going to be a good time to do it before they implement any new laws about it, before they try and do any sort of assault weapons ban. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be, it's going to be much dif- more difficult to do any of that stuff. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, difficult, if at all possible. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Okay. Let me switch. After device. Please. For some reason I can't bring mine up because uh, Streamlabs is using it. But I'm working on it now. <laughs> This is the kind of cool part about having the podcast go live because this part probably won't be in it <laughs> as I'm just talking about trying to fix my shit. Um, back here. Makeup. Put on a little makeup. Grab a. Wait, fuck. God damn it. I can't remember the line. Oh. I just goes to fade away the shake-up. There we go. Chumajo! Okay. That's not working. Table! So we'll just go back. It's fine. I'll be here. Uh, I'll need to figure that out, because that's annoying. Very yeah. deeply aggravating. But yeah, so uh, this is the... I basically just wanted to show you some revolver handling techniques. This is... Um, like, proper ways to do it. Model six Faded on or mostly uh, held by many gun people as the best self-defense gun um, on the market. Um, yeah, that's the idea of there being a best self-defense gun on the market is bullshit. Uh, the idea, and... the idea, the idea being, uh, it is a double action. There is no, you don't, have to, you don't have to pull the hammer back. It is just out of the pocket, yeah. out of wherever you're still carrying it. 
Um, so I can tell you right now, objectively, there are features with that gun that are not perfect. Um, for example, not not having a hammer. Um, you can get shrouded hammer revolvers, and that's generally going to be a better thing for a carry gun because it leaves you with the option to still have a single action shot, which most people can shoot better. So that feature right there is objectively... Okay. Right. So I agree. With a double action, the trigger pull on this is pretty... It's pretty... Stout. Pretty. It's pretty stocky. It's very It's very rough, right? So your accuracy is going to be shit. However, in my um, regards... It, it's not going to be inherently shit. Um, you can practice with a double action trigger pull and yeah. still be fast this and is, accurate This with is it. my thing, though. With with self defense, it's not. I don't have to worry about accuracy because the person is probably going to be really um, close. You you absolutely do. No, no, um, you do not. If 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 somebody's mugging me, they're going to be right here, close and personal. But and you so, realize there are also other self defense situations which can take place up to ex- twenty five to thirty yards. And what what situation twenty to thirty yards? What situations are those? Are you talking about like an active shooter, like coming out of the bushes and be like, I'm going to shoot up the town because those happen. How often, how often do those happen? So the FBI statistic for the average distance of a civilian involved self-defense shooting is that the average distance is seven yards. Okay, the average distance distance is seven, which is twenty one feet. Um, that's not insanely far. Um, a lot of shooting, a lot of civilian involved shootings do take place at very close ranges, and that's however, it's not unheard of to have to shoot somebody across a street or right. be fleeing while somebody's shooting at you. Okay, that's that's and having to shoot them. That's pretty interesting. Okay, when you when you when when it's said like that, it's about 21 feet. My thing is, what what are those situations? What how who is starting a what is the what is the context of that self defense? So is they is they mugging, attempted robbery, a self a, if there's somebody down the hall in your house okay so that's what i'm talking about is it is or, it one of those you know across your living room across your living room is you know 25 feet maybe well i think anyone could be fairly accurate if you go to the range once and you maybe maybe send 30 ra- 30 rounds down range and get the feel for it um because the first so... time sh- the first time i shot this the first time I shot this, I put the target at 15 feet okay, and was fairly accurate. I was in the silhouette. I was able to hit the target. Of course, that is not in a stressful situation, but I'm sure if I got more practice with it, I would be more effective. You know what I mean? So you have to consider the idea of a moving target right. being under stress where you're actually hitting because just hitting a silhouette isn't necessarily... Right. I was center mass. Um. Yeah, and then you also have to consider uh, pistol shooting is a skill that does degrade Over time. far more than rifle shooting. Yeah. Um, once you get pretty good at shooting a pistol, it's going to be longer before you get out of practice, but um, 
I haven't shot my pistols in months. I would absolutely say that if I went to a range right now, I would do okay starting off, and then I would probably right. start flinching again. Okay. Um, flinch is another thing you have to be very concerned about, especially in shooting handguns. Yeah. Um, because it's not like a rifle where you have it braced against your body. You're just mm. holding it with your hands. Yeah. Um, you're going to be more likely to flinch, especially if you're doing a double action trigger pull. Um, yeah, if there's if there's one downside to this is the tr- trigger pull is is um, is a lot. It's a lot. The other thing that objectively makes your handgun uh not the perfect handgun is because it is chambered for 38 special. Um if you're going to get a revolver and you want to shoot 38s out of it, you should get a 357 Magnum because a 357 can chamber and fire 38 specials no problem and because it's made for the higher pressure you're it's generally going to be a little bit heavier of a gun and it's well, going to is, give you less recoil out of a 38 this is this um, is a this is rated for higher pressures it's rated for plus p's but it's not rated for 357 magnum okay um a lot of contemporary 38 revolvers are going to be re- rated for 38 plus P. Mm-hmm. But if you put a 38, a 357 Magnum round in there, I believe it most of the time it won't chamber at all. If you do manage to get it to chamber, you're going to blow up your pistol. I want um, to, I just pulled up a list of the best quote, the quote unquote best home defense handguns. Um, just for shits and giggles and something to, something to talk about. So I'm going to read their selection process. Um, so our main factors... I'm going to tell you right now, if I was going to recommend... If somebody came to me and asked me, I want a pistol for home defense, personal protection, mm-hmm. any of that bullshit, um, the first thing I'm going to tell them is... You shouldn't get a pistol. You're probably not going to shoot it enough to get good with it. You're probably going to shoot something you don't want to shoot. But assuming they're dead set on a pistol or they're willing to put in the time to practice, um, you know, get in the range time and be skilled with their handgun. Yeah. The first gun I would recommend is a Glock 17 or a Glock 19. Um, both Glocks and 9mm. Um the difference is basically just the barrel length and the grip size. Um, personally, I like the 19 a little bit better. It fits my hand okay. more. That's good. Um, That's good because overall, they actually the, do have that on the list. A Gen 4 Glock 19. Uh, the generation really doesn't matter. Like That's just what they have on here. There's minor changes to... Like, there's changes between the Glock generations, but really any... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sort of Glock would be the first handgun I would recommend. Right. I'm not like a Glock fanboy so, or anything like that. Um, I don't own a Glock. Personally, I have a Beretta M9A1. Um, and I, like I was saying earlier, I have my Springfield XD subcompact, but. So they, um, their criteria for their selection, for selecting for this list were quality, reliability, accuracy, and capacity and ease ease of use um and they have on the list they have a walther ppq m2 they have an fnx 45 a cz 75 sp tactical a springfield xd uh, mod 2 let me look up the sp tactical because i know what the cz 75 is but i don't know the sp tactical off my off the top of my head they have the colt 1911 a ruger Seventeen oh seven, BP one hundred, Smith and Wesson M and P shield, Sig Sawyer. Um, uh, roll back a little bit. I was I was typing, so I didn't get to hear. Yeah, so we had the Walther PPK. You're you were looking up the CZ seventy five SP. Okay, so the S. The SPO one tactical is just a CZ with an accessory rail on it. Okay. Yeah, the Springfield XD Mod Two, Colt nineteen eleven, Ruger seventeen oh seven GP one hundred, Smith and Wesson M and P Shield, Sig Sauer Mark twenty five. So the M and P Shield, the M and P Shield, I'm gonna contest right now. That is a very slim gun. The it doesn't have a very good grip. It has a very short barrel. Um. The Smith and Wesson M and P, I think, is fine, but the Shield, I would not say, is a good gun. Well, it's a good gun for carry. It's not a bad gun by any means. Mm-hmm. However, the slide release on that gun is fucking atrocious. <laughs> um, the barrel is shorter. Um, if you get that gun in a forty caliber, it's gonna snap like a motherfucker. Like the recoil impulse on that gun in nine millimeter is not great, um, because it's such a small gun with a short barrel, so right. you're not you're re- optimal powder you, burn. Yeah, you but, have to deal uh, with the brunt of that energy. Any sort of good home defense gun, any sort of good home defense handgun is not going to be a subcompact. If some, the only time I would recommend a subcompact is for carry. Otherwise, I would recommend getting a full-size service pistol or, you know, even something oversized like a a Mark 23. Right. Um, I'm also going to contend, as much as I am a 1911 stan, um, it's, it's not going to be the best gun for any situation where you're as much as I love the 1911, as much as I love the 45, if you're if you get home invaded, right, and there's you know 
if there's four dudes rushing into your house and you only have, you know, let's let's be really optimistic here. Let's say you have the higher capacity 1911 magazines at eight shots. And let's say you do plus one. You know, you you leave your 1911 sitting there with the round in the chamber safety on. Mm-hmm. And, and you decide, okay, I'm going to put one more bullet in the magazine. That's nine shots. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I'd like to say that I'd be able to keep my cool and make every single shot, but realistically against yeah. four dudes storming my house. Exactly. I'm probably going to miss a couple times. Now the stopping power of a 45, no contest. It is absolutely better than a nine millimeter. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. The recoil, you know, in my experience firing a 1911 with that full sized heavy steel handgun the recoil is less than a polymer nine millimeter. Wow. Um, so, you know, you might be able to make, if you can make those shots, if you can, if you are really fucking good with the 1911, mm-hmm. you can make those shots. You could solve that problem. But ultimately I do want to have as much capacity as possible. Um, just, Anything... just for just taking into account like how many rounds yeah. you might miss, but yeah. uh, for two seconds here, uh, we are actually going to be ending the live stream portion of the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of the podcast, go ahead and go to Spotify Quantum Consumer Podcast, where you can go ahead and catch the rest of this podcast. You're listening to the Quantum Consumer Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Twitch and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Now back to the show with your host, Brandon Cox. All so right. We yeah, continue we're, the recording from yeah, here. Yeah, so we're continuing now. I'm just recording recording just normally. Uh, so welcome, Quantum Consumer Podcast listeners. Uh, we are in the non-Twitch portion, so we are now in the exclusive portion of the podcast, which is exclusive for our uh, Spotify listeners, so... Of course, you can always just hop on from from Twitch and just uh, join us here. But we were continuing our conversation about the this list that was made for the self defense uh, or home defense. Uh, yes, guns. I just got I just got finished pissing off 1911 stands. Um, <laughs> as much as I love the 1911, um, I can recognize like as as a combat pistol the thing that's really holding it back is the fact that it has a single stack magazine of 45 ACP. Um, I've seen double stack 1911s. I'm not completely sure as to the upper capacity of those, but right. Um, I also know the grips are absurdly large on those. Um, well, I find interesting and- that of those, of all these weapons that you have that, that are on here, you have two Notably, the Glock 19 and the Beretta M9. Um, I do not have a Glock 19. I would recommend a Glock oh, 19. Pardon me, you're um, right. You said that you didn't have a Glock 19, but you, you do have a Beretta M9. And don't uh, do you have, have the Springfield XD? Uh, that's the gun I was just showing you a little bit ago. I do have a Springfield XD9 subcompact. Okay, so which I, just a different I model. Bought, 
Yeah. Okay. So, so I think that's really it, interesting. So like you kind of I got one that's designed as a concealed carry handgun. Which okay, is, I see. I see what you're saying. So I would use a concealed carry handgun for concealed carry. I would never use a concealed carry handgun for home defense Did unless I? that's the first thing I had access to. Are you trying to get your uh, concealed carry? Uh, I want to at some point. Um, I have not begun that process. I don't. Yet. I don't know how that pro- how that is going in California, but I could tell you up here in the US that uh, the wait list is long. I have my appointment get. Uh, I did this November, and I um, had to make an appointment wait list, out to March. The waitlist is, wait is kind of long everywhere. Um, what I'm gonna say is. If you have a local police station, try to file it through them. That's instead I, of that's, through exa- your... that's exactly what I did. So I know a lot of people will go through their county police department, and the county ones end up having a lot longer wait yeah. because it's so much easier to search for them. Because you just go, for example, you just go blah 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 blah, or like you. Well, no, there's also cities within a county that aren't govern that don't have their own police station. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to file through the county police station. But yeah, I was they actually can... I was really blown away by how long the wait was. So my appointment is March, and I scheduled that back in November. Yeah, I believe my brother got his concealed carry over the course of I think it was less than six months. He was his entire process. Just long long and well it's, it's long, just but then it's you just consider for the longest time people were saying it takes two years to get your concealed it's just care. it's just a sheer weight really it's not even like there's any like time limit it's just how many people are wanting to get those things well there's also arbitrary delays that police departments do but um it really depends on your police department who's handling it um right. What is the typical let, let, service uh, pistol for police departments? That de- do you know if that's dependent on the uh, the state? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it is the Glock 22 chambered in 40 Smith and Wesson. Um, I know. Do you? I know a lot of police stations. Is that a reliable? The officer. Is that a reliable a weapon? It's a Glock. So Glocks um, are every, typically reliable. A Glock is a really reliable gun, and any when I worked at the gun store, anytime somebody was looking for a handgun, there were three that I would show them first. You know, if, if they didn't know jack shit about guns, I would show them the Glocks, I would show them the Springfield XDs, and then I would show them the Smith & Wessons. Um, the Smith & Wesson SD9 and SD40 series because those guns are actually a copy of the Glock to such a degree that every time they sell one, they have to pay Glock a royalty. <laughs> that's, um, that's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah, they are literally a copy of the Glock. So um, the Springfield XD is going to be functionally the same as a Glock. That's what I think is the interesting part about whole gun design uh, how uh, you are well more versed than I am in all things gun. That's why we're. That's why I'm having you here when we're talking about this. Um, what is? Are there any real fundamental differences that 
pertain to the actual inner working of a semi-automatic pistol, which would require, or they, that could uh, allow a separate patent patent to be made. And are there any regulatory designs? Are there any regulations towards the designs that go into making handguns? Um, I don't know about regulations. Um, but are there are there a lot of differences that, that you can make in a design which could authorize you to make another patent? Um, so basically, the things that I that come to mind when I think of that would be if you design some sort of alternate recoil system. What um, do you mean, like buffer spring? So, I believe that they're, like, so the basic operation of most modern handguns is based off the browning tilting barrel style of action for lockup. So, the things I'm thinking of that would actually allow you to have some different sort of patent would be a different style of recoil system, a different style, a different style of lockup for the chamber, um, some sort of different safety. I know that's one thing Glock always touts is they have three different safeties in their gun, and I know that's part of why Smith and Wesson got sued for ripping them off. Right. And then the other thing I would think of is some sort of interesting trigger mechanism that would lead to a different patent. Um, I am by no means a gun designer. I don't. Would you ever try to be? I'm would the... you ever like? Have you ever oh, had the, Have you had the desire to like just like make a three D mock up of a gun design that you think would be cool? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've actually thought about. So I've thought about like shotgun design a lot and mm-hmm. you know oh. things that you could that could be done differently with shotgun me- design. Me- mechanically, would you say shotguns are the more simpler of weapons out there? Um it kind of depends. If you're referring to manually operated like, shotguns, yeah, like a like a pump action are, shotgun, like bare simple. A, a regular pump action shotgun they are the simplest of designs um the design basically goes back to you know pump action shotguns really haven't changed since the wind that much since the winchester 1887 that was the trench um, gun right or is um, the, the trench the trench gun was a a pump action wasn't it uh, in, yes, in it World was. World War II, and you know we had other, other nations crying, it, saying it, it was actually, not fun. It was actually World War One that War gave I, it the uh, reputation as a trench gun, and that was World War One where the Germans bitched about it being a coward. Uh, what was it? They called it a weapon unbefitting of a soldier, I believe. <laughs> you mean because it kicked ass it too much? So, it was so simple to use; it required no skill. Um. We made the same claims about flamethrowers, and there was actually a brief bat between the Germans and Americans where the Germans said, if we find any soldiers who have shotguns or shotgun ammunition on them, they will be immediately executed for 
unfair for unfairness in war. And America basically turned around and said, okay, we're going to do the same thing to anybody with a flamethrower. Because we use flamethrowers in Vietnam. Um, That's interesting how that changed. I I don't believe we actually used flamethrowers in Vietnam. I know we made use of aerial napalm strikes. Uh, No, we we did that. We did that as well. I believe the M2 last saw service in Korea. Really? I believe so. Yeah, I I'm I I could I could have sworn. Oh, that used... it it did get used in Vietnam. Okay, I I take that back. Oh so, yeah, I so, just did a quick Google search. So, so that's a, that's interesting. So how that I- ideology would have changed. Now we're using. It. So, I don't think America actually really considered the flamethrower to be. I don't think they were really bitching about it the same way that the Germans were bitching about shotgun usage. Um. I think it really just boiled down to the Germans were being bitchy, so we said, well, fuck you, we're going to do the same thing to these guys then. Right, because they were threatening to, you know... They were threatening to execute people who had surrendered POWs who had shotguns. That's Um, kind of the interesting thing, if you think about it, how differently uh, the nations had their ideology on what the soldier was, and like, the U.S. wanted to make things bare simple, it seemed, which is why the trench gun was a so, thing. So, you have to remember, World War One was the first modern war. Right. Um, by all stretches. Um, at the beginning of World War One, there was still use of cavalry. They still believed there was use for the bayonet. Yeah. They, well, I mean, there definitely was. They because... thought that there were going to be, you know ranks of soldiers still marching out onto a field and firing at each other out in the open. And instead you they had ranks of trenches. Be, they believed there was going to be combat taking place out to, you know, 2,000 meters, which is just completely unrealistic. Well, it did happen, but in a in a real modern conflict, the idea of shooting somebody 2,000 meters away is a complete joke um well i mean they had i forget what weapon they had they had a remarkably accurate rifle at the time um what i remember at least of course i'm no i'm not really a history buff in that time period but they did have a weapon that was did they have the garand around that time uh no was that world war ii the m1 garand was created in the 19th 30s. Okay, so I want to say 1932. It's kind um, of crazy to think that my great grandmother. Was... Go ahead. It's kind of crazy to think that my my great grandmother was born shortly after the end of World War One. I. I think that's that's wild. And we have actually we actually have a family picture of her. Um, with her parents and it it is it's so wild to see the style that they had the whole everyone was wearing a top hat it was it was like really crazy to see that and to see my great-grandmother as a as a child and to think that like a couple years before that world war one was going on i just love getting halfway through an explanation and the conversation just completely changing (laughs) directions every time That that was a side tangent but as you were saying, um, 
So, yeah, believe it or not, most of the old World War One and World War Two bolt action rifles, yeah, while you would get some that were supremely accurate, um, by realistic standards, they were rifles that were made to shoot accurately and consistently out to about um, just, you know, due to the due to the machining technology available at the time and the lack of precision that they were, the precision that they were able to achieve at the time, the guns were maybe good out to 400 yards, realistically. And like, um, that's crazy because it was a war of attrition. The, Everyone was in trenches. Yeah, well, when you think about the realities of World War One, so much of the combat didn't even take place with firearms. It was with uh, bombardments. Um, uh, I'm I'm talking about infantry combat. Even most infantry combat, in especially in like trench raids, it wasn't done with like people. You know, a lot of the times we'll think about it with a bolt action rifle, and then you know. Once you're out of ammo for that, you switch to your bayonet. No, these trenches were... They weren't like the big 30-foot trenches that you see in like video games and stuff. They were, you know... They were a ditch where if you yeah. stood up, it maybe came up to, you know, your very, mid-chet. And that was very much um, an issue. A lot of the frontline trenches were very small, and you were spending a lot of time sitting in mud... And when you would was, get into those trenches, they were very narrow as well. It was a horrible so environment. So what would end up happening, it absolutely was. But what would end up happening when it came to actual combat is people found that their rifles were too big. They couldn't maneuver it in a trench. Mm. You know, if you came into my trench with a rifle, I could beat you with my fist. Because all I had to do was close a very short gap. Yeah. Um. Once I can get my hand on your rifle, you've lost the fight. Yeah, it's... Because it's... you're going to try and maintain control of your rifle. Meanwhile, I can, you know... If I'm holding your rifle with my left hand, I can just go to town on your face right there while you're trying to get your rifle out of my or, hand. Or stab somebody with a knife. Like, Yeah, I can stab you with a knife, brass knuckles. Um, you know, the iconic trench knife was a knife that would be used in an ice pick type grip with brass knuckles on it so you could punch somebody, drag the blade across their face, stab them. Um it well, was World War 1 was also a was, extremely bloody war. It was the casualties were just incredible. Um and in December 18 on December 18th, 1916, the Battle of Verdun, uh 550,000 casualties for the French and 450,000 for the over yeah it's um, oh it's a million people a million that have died that's just that's just wild yeah so the you know if anybody got into your trench it it really came down to hand-to-hand combat and then occasionally there were people who had handguns whether they owned that handgun themselves or they were an officer or their family sent them that gun um if if I had to choose a gun to fight in World War One, it would be an artillery Luger, which is basically just a longer version of a 
PO8 Luger with a snail drum magazine on it. I believe it's a 32-round drum that they ended up using for the MP18, the world's first submachine gun, which came around at the end of uh, the first World Well, War. I mean, shan't we forget the use of chlorine gas uh, by the Germans um, during that time period. Um, yeah. So, like, there was many different factors that went into the casualties, whether it be actual gun fights or hand-to-hand combat but i mean of course the i think the i'm looking here the casualties for chlorine gas was around killed more than a thousand french and algerian soldiers while wounding approximately four thousand more so it wasn't necessarily devastating it was another tactic because it was the chlorine gas was heavier than air so it would just sit and linger in the trenches and of course you get the acid that develops in your lungs and just horrible, horrible things. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how much weapons and, and war has changed since that time. Yeah. So any other firearms related questions you want to ask me? Uh, we can I believe the, the can, last firearm related thing yeah. you were asking me was about the simplicity of a shotgun. Yeah. That was the, we were talking about design and stuff. Like that. Um, yeah. I think we can sort of dive into anything else you want to talk about. We can kind of stick on the same topic of warfare um, if you want. But this... Well, so my knowledge of warfare ends up being a lot more general than my knowledge of firearms themselves. Right. Um, I, I make no claim to be a firearm expert, but I do think I have a fair amount of knowledge in that area. The... the... Um, we can Albert Einstein with that lovely equation gave us a really big 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 boom. Um Albert Einstein actually didn't come up with it. 90% of what he did was plagiarize and then he would make a small addition to the work of others and then claim their work as his own. And fun fact, he was never actually consulted at all for the Manhattan Project and had no hand in the development no, no, of the uh, nuclear absolutely. Of the nuclear bomb. Yeah, he didn't actually, but he gave us the idea of the use of atoms or mass for that kind of um yeah you're you're kind of barking up the wrong tree here i to my knowledge einstein was mostly a plagiarist um, even even a lot of his mathematical work was actually done by his wife. Uh, he was very, very mean to his wife. He was very much a recluse. He would lock himself in the office and would tell his wife to not disturb him, uh, only unless it was to give him food. Um, fun fact, Einstein himself also admitted that he plagiarized. However, he had no... Um, he had no remorse for it. He felt as though he didn't have to spend time citing the people that he used the works of. He felt as though this is the he first put an end cap on it and hit it. It was it became his. This is the first time I've heard of Einstein's plagiarism. Um... Yeah, it is very well confirmed, and in the scientific community of the time, he is extremely hated. Oh yeah, so first, first search. Um, 
have, according to the accepted view, the mathematician De David Hilbert completed general relativity five days before Albert Einstein in November 1915. Uh, Einstein uh, may thus have copied crucial equations of this theory from Hilbert. It's, it's crazy. I think that's the that's the crazy. I think, also... I think that happens more than we think. Like plagiarism in the scientific community. He had also uh, stolen from works that were up to 30 years old or 30 or 40 years old at the point. Um, yeah, so I kind of, I've lost all respect for Albert Einstein. And I have no respect for him as a scientist because all he did was steal the work of others. There's a lot of things that are also like, going into Einstein's favor as well as I'm seeing is there's a lot of like this, there was disputes and stuff and like I guess a lawsuit or he was like freed is I'm seeing that a lot that's why I'm sure that's I'm sure that happens so many times I mean ever since fucking Newton everyone was plagiarizing everything I mean Newton kind of laid the groundwork as far as everything for that but well, so there's a difference between using somebody else's work and accrediting them for their work. Right. I mean, it's okay to and build being off like of somebody. Einstein, where you take their work, don't accredit them, and claim it as your own. We have an article here from Washington Post. Researchers definitively ruled Einstein did not plagiarize relativity theory. That's. Well, okay. So relativity wasn't also his only work. And there were aspects of Einstein's work that were original. However, what he has been described as throughout his, throughout, um, his scientific endeavors of the time is a group of people building a monolith, and he puts the, he puts the cap on it and then claims the monolith <laughs> as his own. That's kind of funny. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Who would, they basically didn't like that he had taken their work. Who would be your top pick as far as a scientist that you would like to talk to or ever meet? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't really want to meet a scientist. And that is 100% acceptable answer. <laughs> because honestly... um. There's a social principle that anybody who is more than a standard deviation of intelligence away from you is like you're j so basically a standard deviation is, I believe, 20 IQ points. So anybody who's more than 20 IQ points away from you, you're going to have a hard time understanding each other. And it's just going to be so strange to talk to them. Right. So to talk to anybody who's like a legitimate genius scientist would just, I would be so out of my depth and I would feel so stupid talking to them that I have no desire to ever meet. That's, um, I think that's a, that's an interesting response. Any sort of famous. That's an scientist. interesting thing. That's an interesting thing to think about is the, like, could there really be a really nice conversation you can have with that person? Like the reality is they would just blow you out of out of your depth with knowledge. Right. And I have no desire for that. Because um, like Stephen Hawking was on a different level of yeah. like his abilities. I I would 
I would say that I'm my IQ is like above average. It's 136. Um I've taken a few IQ tests and I averaged it out. Um most of them were right around the same area. It'd deviate by a point or two. Um it averaged out to 136, so I not trying to sound like a douchebag or anything, like I I don't think it really amounts to how intelligent you actually are. I just no, think it that's like a general consensus. It's not it's not IQ test is IQ oftentimes... is an actual and Correct. It's like so it's... the way I see it is IQ isn't actually intelligence, it's your capacity to learn. It's yeah, it's it's been it's been very commonly miss it's like a misnomer where IQ equals intelligence. It's really just your ability to problem solve. That's it. Uh whether or not you can classify that as intelligence, I don't know. Um but yeah, it's really just a lot of cuz if you take it if you ever taken an IQ test, which you have, you'll you'll agree that it was just a bunch of like logic things it was like it was like okay well if you know it was for for like lack of a better fucking question you know three six blank twelve you know what is the missing number that's a lot of what the iq test is um so it's just it seems like it's like testing your fucking processing power just a little bit not necessarily like raw intelligence like i said it's it's your I see it as your capacity to learn, not your actual intelligence. Right. I've, I've, I forget the source of, but I've, I've read that many times where like actual, what I would consider intelligent people would say, yeah, it's not a very good measure of actual intelligence. Cause that's something that's very hard to measure. Uh, I think, um, cause you have a different, you have different types of intelligence. You have like fucking common sense, <laughs> uh, and then you have problem solving and then you have fucking arithmetic so- and, See, I kind of, I disagree with the idea of different types of intelligence. I think that's something we tell stupid people so they don't feel bad. Because you always hear about like, oh, you know, these people are really good at dancing and that makes them smart. Oh, I don't agree with that Um, at all. (laughs) I don't agree with that at all. So I kind of disagree with different types of intelligence. Um I I think you can be skilled. I think you can be talented and right. be stupid. Yeah, um, there. I mean, from from like you know how we judge most of the life on Earth and have like, oh yeah, a dolphin is more intelligent than a fucking or a octopus is more intelligent than X, Y, and Z. I think the as far as like zoology goes, intelligence is measured as a problem solving skill. So like how an octopus is ruled as intelligent because it can learn how to open a jar. That is what rules it as an intelligent creature. Um, as far as like judging on how other humans are intelligent or not, I have no idea. Uh, maybe it is the same, maybe it's not. But of course we are the same creatures judging other creatures. Or same creatures judging the same creature. But, you know, it's... It's weird. Psychology is nowhere near complete, or neuro. The understanding of the human brain is nowhere near complete. I digress. Okay, so to wrap back around to where this podcast started off, let's uh, let's go back to discussing what do we think is the yeah. You 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 did say you did say what you keep on saying the god caliber, Uh, the lord's caliber, the lord's caliber. 
it it's sort of like uh the lord's chosen you know so if jesus like who, if jesus were to go to god's if door instead of people if instead of people god had calibers right which one would be his um i think 50 cal bmg I see you, uh, smite me i see you roll with saint barrett smite me from afar um, oh lord no but in reality i do think the uh the debate of best caliber really comes down to what you're trying to do yeah like um, there's no real right answer i think overall five five six is a great caliber but if i was gonna go into if i needed something to uh to stop a home invader, I would not choose a five five six in any capacity. Yeah, um, unless I got like. Factor too. There's so many different variables that make a caliber. Well, no, better I'm not even worried about range. I'm talking in terms of like I don't want to shoot my fucking neighbor. Yeah, if you shot somebody in a in a home defense situation with a five five six, it's going through that person. It's even yeah. though five five six is notable for its tumbling ability. It's probably going to go through that person. Yeah, you know, the tumbling thing, it absolutely does happen, but uh, uh tumbling not in as... the target. Tumbling in the target. No, I I know what you're talking about. I know you're referring to tumbling in the target. It's not as common as people think it is. Like it it absolutely will t- tumble if you hit like a rib or something, but mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a really good chance that you're gonna you know miss the ribs. You're not gonna hit bone. If you just hit soft tissue with a five five six, it's not gonna tumble. It's just gonna blow a big fucking hole. <laughs> it's gonna rip shit off. <laughs> like like um, you know it's it's gonna be a through and through because it's such a high velocity spear point projectile. Yeah. That, you know, if it doesn't hit something that's going to, like, crack it, like, tumbling occurs when it hits a bone at, and, like, you know, mm-hmm. even if it hits a bone, sometimes it goes through straight. It needs to kind of hit the bone at an angle, so it, the bone breaks and kind of deflects the projectile and causes it to tumble. And then you have more bleeding um, and all that fun stuff that makes yeah. it deadly. And if you look at um, if you look at like tests where they shoot a two two three or a five five six through walls, um, it doesn't tumble right away. You right. know, it's not tumbling on the second wall. Hmm. You know, it'll be tumbling on the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Wall. Are those walls like butt to butt or face to face? Were they like um, sandwiched together, or are they spaced between? Because that also is a different so, factor with a, a body. Te- with a body, you have constant contact with some with the target. Like there's there's no air gaps. You know what I mean? So you have yeah that as so an issue. So one of the one of the contact one of the one of the things I've seen is a guy takes his AR-15. He puts some soda ju- some soda bottles in front of a bunch of walls that are. Double-sided walls, although they've taken out any studs and they don't have insulation in there. Right. Um, but it's just a normal drywall wall in a frame. 
Um, and he shoots through the soda. And then, you know, there's like five walls that are spaced out 10 feet or so. You know, maybe more. Okay. And, you know, it goes through the soda, goes through the... Um, and they build one of the walls as like an exterior wall. Mm-hmm. So they have, you know, like exterior house materials on there. Because right. you, you don't make the outside of your house out of drywall. Or what is it called? Spackling or something like that? Yeah. The weird concrete um, mix shit that you smear on. Well, so the way he built it was it's one of the ones that looks more like shingles almost. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, So he shoots through that. He shoots through the jug. It goes through the exterior wall like nothing. It goes, you know, through the interior layer of that like nothing. Goes through the next two layers of wall like nothing. It gets to the next set of walls. And that's where it's beginning to tumble. And right. you see the sideways impact hole. At that point, it's slowed down enough it, to where it's going to feel those walls a little bit more. It's not even necessarily that it slowed down. It deflected because the projectile did kind of... Like, the position of where it's hitting the walls shifted as well. Have you seen um, those videos of bullet impacts on, like, sheet metal with, like, insane slow motion? Um. I've I've watched videos of bullets hitting a lot of things. Um it's it's crazy. Um it's, it's I pretty wild. have shot I myself have shot subsonic twenty twos at um at a cookie sheet and they failed to penetrate it at like twenty five yards. <laughs> and it it dropped worse than an airsoft you, gun. Would, you said it was what? Twenty two? A subsonic twenty-two. Okay. Um, so like, not, and not just not twenty-two so long rifle. Of, well, no, it was twenty-two. It was long twenty-two rifle long rifle. Really? Okay. It's twenty-two just the, long rifle subsonic ammunition. It's just the mix of powder that they have in there, or something. Um. Well, there's different ways to make subsonic ammunition. You can decrease the powder charge. You can use a heavier bullet. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um. You know, you can do both. But these were really slow 22s. I think they were moving about 500-something feet per second. And at a distance of, like, 25 to 30 yards, I was having to aim about a foot above a cookie sheet to get it to actually impact. Like, I was having to lob it at, (laughs) you know, maybe 30 yards. And it wasn't even going through the cookie sheet. Jesus. Yeah. The... And this, this wasn't like some crazy, you know, super high, you know, super expensive cookie sheet. This was an old one that had been used for years and it was made of cheap, shitty metal. Right. It probably cost you $2 at a store. I love the. Uh, I love just, just having the ability to just shoot shit. Just whatever you want. <laughs> I love to, uh, at some point in my life, shoot a 50 cal. Well, I actually have had the opportunity. Um, and it's fun. I mean, like a 50 cal, like Barrett or something. Yeah. You got to shoot the Modus, the, yeah. 
gun that I believe has had a longer service life than anything else in the world at this point. It is a very fun time. But we have been... Podcast is now about one hour, 30 minutes, almost two hours now. I think we'll go ahead and close up here. Uh, it has been excellent to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to do more gun-related episodes. Yeah, we can do you can do gun-related, or we can do just talking about. It. Typically, we'll do some like occasionally I'm, uh, that provides itself. We'll do like current news and shit like that. But those are typically the more boring parts. Brennan, I am a I am a slut for for talking about guns. So oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, you know, once you get me going, I'm yeah, we'll definitely have, we'll definitely have of those discussions um but yeah if you are joining us on spotify we are on spotify we record the episodes live on twitch um the twitch is the immortal 312 that is the immortal 312 t-h-e-i-m-m-o-r-t-a-l 312 check us out on twitch so you can catch us live for the live interaction between the audience and the qc team we also have a discord so you can get notified about future Twitch streams when we are recording QCP episodes. And we are just ultimately trying to have a good time bringing knowledge to everyone else. So you would like to have any closing notes? Uh, the only thing I want to close is the slide on my handgun. <laughs> Alright, if you guys enjoy this kind of content where we talk about guns... This might be a new feature on the podcast. Of course, this is kind of, we're kind of building a podcast here, so we might have uh, different segments and different kinds of episodes. So look forward to that in the future. But I've been Brandon. All so much. And as always, have a good one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.